Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Brother Earthquake, who was an ex-voodoo sorcerer and now bishop, who has had two near-death experiences. He's been to heaven and hell, which we are going to talk about today. Brother Earthquake, thank you so much for being my guest, and welcome. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you so much. Wow, so excited to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. If you don't mind, can we start on the day that your NDE happened back in 1971? Yes. Um, oh, my. I was uh, with my brothers, and uh, they were in uh, uh, one of those kind of moods where they wanted to go hang out and party and stuff like that. And uh, there was six of us boys. And uh, one of them, my brother Bobby was my favorite, my favorite brother. So everywhere he went, I would go Chicago, New York, different place like that because we were in the business. We were in the pharmaceutical business, if you know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, one particular time we were, we were in Milwaukee at this time planning on, planning on doing some things to bring in uh, some things that we said was going to cause it to snow in the summertime and some kind of powder and stuff that we had a, a shipment of. And my job was to to be the cutter. I was the cutter of all the drugs. I was at that time pretty much the number one cutter and all the people that was in that business. And uh, I was using a lot of chemicals and stuff like that. And I won't tell what they are, but uh, I, that was my job. So I had this uh, uh, spiritual guide that would walk me through a lot of stuff to create different types of drugs and stuff. And, you couldn't see him, but I can hear him. And so one particular time, he said, well, you never really got that that super high. Why don't you mix this, that, and the other? And you get that super high, and you make more money since you are the cutter. You should experiment on it yourself. So I did. I did exactly what, what the, the guy told me, the voice told me. And... uh we were going to a nightclub. I was 15. I was 15 years old. And um, I was around a lot of people much older than me. So the, the guy at the door and the other people, never they never bothered me. They let me come in and do what I, I wanted to do. Plus, my father was a big-time gangster and stuff. So you pretty much didn't mess with his children, you know. So if you knew my father, you'd know what I'm talking about. So... I got in and I sat down after I put those drugs together, that formula. And I sat at the bar and uh, the guy offered me some beer. After I, I ingested all of this stuff so I can make more money. I was, I was the bottom of the totem pole and I was only making like two to $300 a day. And everybody else was making a lot more money. So I wasn't getting that much. That voice said, you want to make a lot more money. You should, cut this stuff with this and then try it yourself. 
So I did. And I had all this stuff in my system. And I sat down at the bar. I sat down at the bar. And the way that the, the room was, was, was designed, they had a big uh, picture window to the back of the bartender. And you could see the sun coming in through the window. And I was sitting there trying to enjoy this new formula I came up with, which was very deadly. It was some speedball stuff that I know good and well I should have never mixed because of this voice convinced me to do it for more customers. I did it. And I was sitting there at the bar and the guy said, what do you want to drink? And I said, I, I don't. I really don't want anything to drink. He said, well, you got to say something. It's the customer that you sit here at the bar. You can't get sit here because you're blocking other customers. So I said, well, just give me a Coca-Cola. So he gave me the Coca-Cola and I sat there drinking. He said, no, that's not strong enough for you. Man up and you take a beer. And I hated beer, but he gave it to me and he, and he said, drink it. So I sipped on it and I drank it. was so nasty. I don't even know why they created that stuff. But anyways, I sat there at the at the bar and the sun was coming through the window. And as I was going through this process of this new drugs I created, the, the, the rays of the sun was coming at me. I could feel it on my forehead, but then it stopped. And I'm like, wait a minute, sun doesn't stop. It stopped and then it went around me. It came out of the back of me. And then it got real dark, super, super dark where I was. I can see to the left. I can see to the right. I can see the bartender. But where I was, was super dark. It was like the worst dark you ever can imagine. Then I can hear this bumping sound, like something running up a flight of stairs under my feet, like, like a stampede coming up. And then all of a sudden, all of these spirits came through the ground and they grabbed me. And they grabbed me by my mouth, pulling my mouth, and I shook them off for a second. And, and my brother and another guy were sitting down the way in the bar. So I ran over there. And I said, man, take me home. Take me home. Please take me home. I'm old in. And he said, go sit down. He cursed me and said, go sit down. You're messing up our high. I said, no, for real, man. There's something wrong with me. Something wrong with me. And then those spirits, they, come, they came over and they was grabbing me while I'm standing there. It was like about 25 or 30 of them, all different sizes. And they were so, so I could see him, but I couldn't see nothing but those spirits in myself. But I said, please take me home. Because I know if my mother was to pray for me, she'd be born again, filled with the spirit of God. And she would pray for me like she always did. I never wanted to bless her. I never wanted her to pray for me. I took it because out of respect. Now I want it. I want her to pray for me. I want her. I mean, if that she take that bottle and crack my head open with it, that blessed her. I don't care. Just get me home. And so he said, all right, they cursed me real bad. They, they, you can't hold your dope and stuff like that. And and so they took me home, put me in the back of the car, and I laid up sideways in the back of the car. And I could hear that rumbling again. I could hear it. Remember? And then a pop, they came to the bottom of the car. They grabbed me and they yanked me. They literally pulled my soul and spirit out of my body. And down I was going. Down I was going. I could see the bottom of the car. I hadn't, I didn't, I had never been under the bottom of a car. I was 15 years old, but I never had any need to go look under a car. But I could see this long thing, which I later off, they told me was a giant drive shaft going around pretty fast, but we weren't moving anywhere. And, I, and as I was going down, 
going down and descending into this horrible thing. I can hear all of this noise. Ah, people screaming and yelling. Oh, evil spirit sounds that you don't even want to hear ever. And I'm going down and I land into this thing. When boom. And when I landed down there, it was like a hundred million other creatures jumped on me. They went in my mouth. They were pulling my tongue. They was banging me in the head with some kind of sludge hammer. They were all over me like ants on a beetle. They were laughing at me. They were doing all kinds of stuff to my body. I had no control. They put my arms like that, and they, they I couldn't move. And, and they were laughing in my ear. And the one, that spirit that always showed me how to put the drugs together, he was there too. That demon that always showed me how to do everything, Fred Jeffrey, he was there, and he said, you thought you were using us all along. We were setting you up to get you down in hell. Welcome to hell. You will be here throughout eternity. You will never escape. And he started laughing. And then there was something in the background. I could look out the corner of my eye. There was a creature, had a violin, and he was playing. The worst, worse than scratching your hand on the chalkboard. And I realized what the Bible said when he kicked Satan out, he threw him out of heaven. He threw his vial with him, his violin too. God didn't want him or his violin in heaven, kicked them both out. So now he's like Nero who played the violin as Rome burned. He's down there celebrating as the souls were tormented. And I was one of the souls that was being tormented. And for fun, they let me go. And I started running. I started running. And I ran and I saw what I thought was a road. Hell is a place that's very, very devious, very tricky. Make you think that one thing is happening while you're being tormented and it's not even that real thing. It's something else going on just to make your torment even worse. And so I started running and running and I saw it looked like the road that you see outside with the yellow line, the you know, those yellow lines on the road. So I was running on that fast as I could, screaming loud as I could, screaming, screaming. Help me, help me. I was calling my brother, my favorite brother out of all six of us. I was calling him, Bobby, Bobby, help me, help me. I'm in this place. Help me, help me. And as I was running, I saw a little incline. I said, oh, I'm going to run out of this horrible place. And then I was running fast as I could. I can hear all those spirits behind me laughing, taking their time, chasing me. Thousands of them seemed like maybe, I don't know how many it was, but I didn't care. I was trying to get out of there. And as I was running, trying to get out of there, I, I, I saw maybe it was a way out. And then I, I can hear this song that my mother used to play all the time. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Playing over and over and over and over. And then they would stop and say, it's you, you, you're not going to heaven. Ha, 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 ha. You should have took heed when you had a chance, but it's too late. You're not going to heaven. And I'm trying to shake that horrible song out. It's not a horrible song. You're going to heaven. Horrible if you're in hell and they're singing it to you. And then, and, and I'm trying to get that song out of my head and look behind me and all these demons behind me. They're chasing me. And they're so horrible. And when I got to where I thought I could get out of there, it was just a yellow line painted on the side of a horrible looking wall. And all those demons, I mean, like a billion of them grabbed me and they grabbed me in my mouth and my eyes and they dragged me. I don't know how far back I was in that horrible pit. 
and they start bang. This time they was twice as bad and the stick it was miserable, horrible. It was horrible, horrible, horrible. Nobody needs to go to hell. And and while I'm being tormented, there's nothing I could do about it nonstop. The whole place lit up and, and I can see some hands of light coming in to that horrible place. And they grabbed me by my arms around here, one hand there, one hand there. And it's, those hands lifted me out of the hands of those spirits. And they were screaming, he's ours, he's ours. He did our bidding. He did our bidding. He belongs to us rightfully. And he pulled me up and I can, I can see the bottom of the car, the drive shaft still spinning, but the car isn't going anywhere. And God showed me there's a lot of people that think they're going somewhere. They're spinning, but not going anywhere. And that's one of the reasons why I saved you out of the pits of hell and from drugs and voodoo. So you can help people who think they're going somewhere, but they're not. And I went right through the body of that car and God gently put me back in my body. And I sat up and I said, I've been to hell. I've been to hell. I've been to hell. And I, 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 and a voice said to, to me, he said, God spoke to me. He said, because of your mother's prayers and because you been chosen to do a work for my kingdom, you were spared. And that was in the summer of 1971 at 15 years old, doing drugs, doing voodoo, doing so much stuff. I was a sorcerer that was so powerful in voodoo that I can do my hand in a certain way and turn a car over in, in the middle of the street. I can send fire. I can go through walls. I can, I can do all kinds of spells and jinxes and open up the ground and make people fall in it. I can do all of that stuff, but none of that stuff matters when you inhale. And none of that matters. It's just a trickery to get you in there. But God, God had a plan, and my mother was praying for me. And then, um, my oh. brothers, when we got home, he uh, he so mad at me. He kicked me out on the sidewalk, kicked me out on the sidewalk, and I couldn't walk. And later on, the doctor told me that it it temporarily burned my octave nerves that controlled my legs. The, the electrical part that sends the impulse down to your legs to walk was shot because of the overdose. So I had to crawl from maybe 50 feet from the curb to the up the three, three stairs to get enough strength to, to ring the doorbell. And I rang the doorbell, and my sister, one of my sisters, so we had a big family, uh, six boys and five girls. One of my sisters knew about the drugs and People overdosing, and she looked at me, and I told her what happened. She screamed. My mother came to the door. I collapsed, and when I finally came to a few days later, I was in a mental institution where I could hear all kinds of yells and screaming and banging and stuff. When I realized I was in a mental institution instead of being in hell, I was sort of happy because hell, a mental institution, is no comparison to being to being in the pits of hell. In a few days of that, one of my older sisters, she went and, and and she got herself back with the Lord and she got on fire and she came and she said to me, she says, you going to church with me? And I said, no, 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 no. I said, you know what I do? I'm the cutter. I handle millions of dollars of product and I cannot go to church. No, because if I go to church and I don't cut these drugs, I'm going to be the one that's being cut all up into pieces. She told me, she said, 
you never got to worry. You'll never have to worry about those gangsters and those, those people you work for. Never. They'll never touch you once you give your heart to Christ. So my, my ex-girlfriend, thank God for being an ex, she, she heard what my sister said. She said, I heard you going to church. You can't go to church. You got a shipment of stuff coming. You know, you got a million dollars. It's a big first, big payday. You can't go get saved. We're going to miss out on this money. And, and now I've been to hell. I've been to the mental institution, everything I got out of. And now my sister's trying to go me to take me to church. And my ex-girlfriend, she said, you can't go to church because you do. We're going to miss out on this million dollars. So she said, I'm going to church with you to make sure you don't get saved. I never heard of such a thing like that. Are you want to make sure somebody don't get saved? We didn't do kill me. You know, I already been killed. You know, so I'm not intimidated by death. You know, she said, no, I'm going to keep you from going to the altar. Are you going to keep me from going to the altar? I'm not even going to the altar. I'm going because my sister invited me. I'm more interested in this business than you. It's my neck that's on the line, not yours. You know, these gangsters will kill me if I don't cut these stuff, this stuff for him, you know. And there's more than gets mafia gangsters. There's a whole lot of gangsters that I'm talking about. You know, I'm not just talking about the mafia gangsters. I'm talking about other gangsters that, that pretty bad too. And and I was in business with them, and I was number one cutter, and I would cut it that they was all happy with. And so now my sister said, "Go to church," and we got a whole shipment, a whole shipment of drugs coming to a certain Midwest city, and I'm responsible for all the shipment. And my sister said, you got to go to church. I said, no, I can't. I can't go to church. You know what I do. I'm a sorcerer. I cut drugs. I put spells on people. I put people in bad conditions. I can turn your car over. I can send fire to your house. I can go to your wall and get you. I am a sorcerer. What are you talking about? All I know is sorcery and drugs and, and all kinds of crazy stuff. I can't go to God. Don't want me. She said, you going to church. And she said, you will never, ever be a sorcerer again. She said, you will never be a sorcerer again. You will never do drugs. You'll never sail through the air. You'll never go down in the ground and talk to spirits like you. You'll never do none of that stuff again because you are going to church to get saved. And so my girlfriend, Brian, you can't get saved. She said, I'm going to church. And my sister said, revival starts tonight. You go. Now, I'm wearing diapers, Jeff. I'm wearing diapers because my optic nerve is burned in my brain, so I don't even know when I have to go to the bathroom. So I'm, I'm wearing Depends, and I'm 15 wearing Depends. And I'm not saying people that had that problem, God bless you. I, I know your pain. Believe me. I know your pain. And so she took me She took me to church. I couldn't walk. So my one sister, Jacqueline, my other sister, Chandler, they got underneath my arms, and they walked me to church like this. I remember going in the church door, hobbling like that. I said, they said, what do you want to say? And I said, put me in the back. Put me in the back. I don't know these people. Put me in the back. So they sat me in the back as I requested. The girlfriend, she came like she said she would. She would not come in. She stood outside the door. It was the way you can see the people standing outside with the church uh, front building. And I can see her standing out there. She kept her word. And then the preacher was preaching. He, he was he was going forward to fire and brimstone and you need to be saved. And God's going to bless you and this, that, and another. And my sister said, how'd you How'd you like it? Well, you, you know, from being in New York area, I had Broadway. Hey, oh, that was a good performance. Wow. She said, you're going back tomorrow night. I said, I ain't going back to no church no more. I can't. I got business. I got to take care of the, the, 
this big drill chip and come in there. Everything is on my head. You don't understand. It's on me, not on our brothers, not on the other criminals and gangsters. It's on me. I'm the cutter. I got to cut everything. She said, you will never touch another drop of drug. You will never cut. You'll never be a sorcerer. And all those guys that that's you working with will never touch you. They'll never even see you again. So I went back the next night. Girlfriend, she came back to. She said, you can't get saved. Now she's getting bold. She saw hollering in the door. Come out of there. We got business. And I told her, be quiet. What are you doing? The preacher's not preaching. You respect. And I respected the preachers now. I respect. I didn't respect a lot of other people, but the preachers, you be quiet. So she got quiet. Then he was preaching and preaching. Finally, the service was over. And I told my sister, okay, can I go back to my life now? My business? She said, I told you, you will never, ever do sorcery again. I said, what am I going to do? You know, our father's a sorcerer. Our grandfather's a sorcerer. Our great-grandfather's a sorcerer from Port-au-Prince, Haiti, city of Soleil, Haiti. That's all we know. This is our family. This is our family tree. You can't cut the branches off the tree. But God can. You're going back to church tomorrow night. I said, God, three days in a row. So again, my sister got on the one arm, girlfriend came to the door, and she's really mad now. Because the shipment is almost there within hours of the semi-truck full of stuff coming. And so she's like, oh, get out of there. Come on, get out of there. And I told her, I said, no, I'm going to hear this out. And so the, the preacher, he was preaching, and ah, and God wanted. And then he stopped, and then he pointed. He pointed. He said, you, young man, back there, sitting in the back. So the church turned around, so I turned around, too. I said, young man, uh, the pastor is talking to you, but nobody back there but me. I'm the only one back there. I said, oh, no. No, he's talking to me. I don't know him. I don't know him. And my sister's. My sister, I looked at her. I said, did you tell that preacher anything about me? Did you tell her? Did you tell that man anything? She said, no. I didn't even talk to him. I am bringing you to church. He said, come up here, young man. Come up here. And now I can't walk. Mind you, I cannot walk. And I, I'm wearing diapers. I'm wearing depends. I'm wearing depends, and I'm scared. I don't even know when I have to go to the bathroom. I got no feelings. I don't even know. That's how bad I was when I got out of the mental institution. They put diapers on me, sent me home in diapers. So I was messed up back. Went to hell. Now I'm wearing diapers. Now I'm in front of all these strangers, and you want me to walk in front of all these strangers with diapers on mantle. What's wrong with you, Pastor? I can't do it. But then I, I felt something in my body. I felt strength going down into my legs down into my legs like God himself was doing it. I stood up, didn't know sister had to help me. I stood up and I walked all the, from the back of the church to the front of the church. Oh, glory, hallelujah. I walked. I'm like, I'm walking. But God loved me so much, took me out of hell, took me through all that stuff. And then at the church, he breathed some strength into my legs. And I went all the way down to the front. I could look off to the side and I could hear the, the, the ex-girlfriend going on. No, no, no. And the pastor, he started talking to me. He said, young man, 
you was a serious criminal. Serious. He said, because of you, a lot of people died. I said, how you know all of that? That's what my business was to sell drugs and put spells on people. I wasn't no murderer. It wasn't my fault that they died, even though I did it. I sold them, but that didn't make them take those things. He said, either way, because of you, people have died. And he told me, he said, you was a sorcerer. You was a really bad person, really bad. He said, but God told me to tell you he loves you and he wants to save you tonight and make a minister of the gospel out of you. Then I heard a voice says, I love you. I love you. See, where I grew up in New York and the place in Connecticut and stuff, it was a it was a, a street law that no man could tell another man that he loves them. You never say that. You get shot or cut. You never say that to a man. You show it, but you don't say it. You give your life for that person, but you never say to another man, I love you. So now I'm hearing this voice said, this beautiful, loving voice said, I love you. Then he showed me of the guns to my head that wouldn't work. The 357, brand new, brand new 357 Magnum. Every time you pulled the trigger, nothing came out, but it worked this way. But every time he pulled it back, trying to kill me, it got frozen. God said, that was me. I put my finger between the trigger to stop him from killing you because I had plans for you. When you were thrown off of a car by rivals, tried to murder you 50 miles an hour, and you hit this, the busiest street in all of the East Coast, cars going down. And he said, I stopped all the cars, my own hands, stopped the cars so you can get up and get out of the street and burn all of the side of your leg. Nothing left on you, but your life was there. He said, tell me one thing. This loving voice, I tell me all of these things, all of these things that he did for me so he can use me. Then he showed me traveling the world, ministering, ministering to people. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I am a sorcerer. You want me to sell them drugs? You want me to put them under a spell? I can do all of that in a snap of a finger. I can split them right down the middle, but they'll never be the same. Like the Bible says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. We did that to people. I knew how to do that. I said, I can do all kinds of tricks and spells and obia and all this stuff. You want me to do that? God said, no, you will never do that again. I want you to accept my son. And I said, me? I don't know how. I'm not good. Nothing good in me at all. He never argued. He never said nothing. He said, accept me tonight. And he started showing me doing stuff. And I was tired of the demonic realm. I didn't want to be that. No. I never asked to be a sorcerer. They beat me in my head with belt buckles and make me eat trash. And they would beat me and beat me every day for 11 years straight. I only had two hours of sleep every night because the witches and stuff was training me to work with Papa Doctor, President of Haiti. And they beat me and had to drink blood and carry human feces. I never had a break. I never had a childhood. So, God, if you got a better plan for me than me every day, talking to the devil every night, every night for 11 years, every night for 11 years, never been with a straight night with sleep for 11 years straight. He's always in the room, under the bed, running across the street, look out the window. He's in the car. Come on, let's go. All of these things. I said, you got a better life than that. 
and you're not going to make me to where I'm a real soft man because I ain't never been soft. Some of these Christian brothers is soft. I can't be soft. I want to stay a man like I was when I was in Harlem, when I was in those streets. If you can let me be still a man, I'm in. Now, he showed me so much stuff on our December 15, 1971. I threw my hands up and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. He came in and filled me with his spirit. I mean, he filled me with the Holy Spirit. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. And as my girl, ex-girlfriend saw all this happened at the altar, she stuck her head in and screamed the loudest, no! And I have not seen her from December 15th, 1971 to this day. I believe it's the 5th of August, 2022. I have not seen her at all. God bless me with a, with a beautiful, beautiful wife, Selena, who works with the Department of Justice and the FBI in Washington, D.C. God put us together himself. He put us together himself, a gangster. The father was a gangster and soldier, and she worked with the FBI. God got a sense of humor, I'm quite sure. He, he had that planned all along for me to marry her. And we have seven children. Our oldest son, he was killed, but I know where he is. He's with the Lord. Earthquake, thank you for sharing that experience with us. How did your father and brothers take it once you decided you weren't in the family business anymore? Oh, man. They they were so mad because I was the cutter. I was the cutter. And then they had to try to find another guy to cut because I knew the secrets. So you just don't cut drugs. You have to know the secret of cutting drugs to know what chemical goes to what chemical. If not, you're going to kill people. You're going to kill them. You have to know how to cut it to the finery of it so that you still keep the customer. He wants to kill people. Well, the, the pastor said, I kill people. But anyway, I didn't mean to. That was my job was, was to cut it. So when they when I got out, when I came away completely, they were mad. They would were, they were come up to my face and say certain things to me and call me, uh, what they call me, a snitch, you know, police. And they, oh, man, they couldn't <laughs> They called me so many names. I, I, I didn't respond. I just stood there. And I said, I ain't none of those things. I said, I went and I gave my heart and my life, my soul to Jesus. And they just look at me like, so you ain't coming back. You ain't coming back. Nope. I ain't never coming back to this. I'm free. Man, you still feel how I feel on the inside. I started ministering to them. And they said, no, we don't want none of that Jesus stuff. You're going back. And so the test one time, the test one time is that I was, my mother had some property in the Midwest. So I was there cleaning the property for my mom. And uh, and I'm underneath the back porch. I put the shovel there, not the shovel, the rake. And I pulled and I said, what kind of bushes are these? So I pulled and pulled hard. It was a big, giant bag of marijuana. A big, giant, at least 50, 50 G on that. It was at least that big. And now here, I'm, I got this big bag of dope, which I could have stretched it, man, 100,000 out of easy. And I'm there, and I got this big bag, and and nobody's around but me. And I said, Lord, what do I do with this stuff? What do I do with this stuff? It's not mine. I'm not in this game no more. And I'm standing there with the rake in my hand and a bag in the other hand. And then one of my brothers came, the one that called me all those names. He came, and he grabbed it. And said, give me my drugs, man. Give me my dope. I said, I won't do nothing with that. I, won't. I didn't even have the desire no more. 
it completely left me. It completely, and I was glad. I mean, I wasn't glad that he took it. You know, I was going to throw it in the trash or burn it. Well, burn it, going to smell up the whole neighborhood. It was that much dope. But he took it. And, and, it, and when God cleans you up, he cleans you completely. Even the desire left me, you know. And it, it was so much money to tell how God really delivered me from that stuff. It was so much money. We can make it so much money every day that we had a section of the room where we threw dollar bills. It was so many dollar bills pile up in, in the section because we couldn't count them all. It was just so many because we would money nonstop every day, you know. And when God delivered me from that, he delivered me from that. Then he taught me how to live dependent upon him for my finances. And he, he definitely have sent angels, angels to, to deliver money to me as I praise him and, and bless him. And then when I close the door, they turn around and say, thank you. That person disappeared. No car, no nothing before. I could walk five feet from the door back. He was gone. So God said, I showed you, you, you don't need nothing from the devil. Nothing, nothing, no thing do you need. So my brothers were upset. They were, they were upset, and they stayed upset with me for years. But they saw the change in me. They saw the change. They said, I wasn't coming back. Like my sister was right. My sister said, God is, is going to do something for you, and you're going to do something for him. And she said, those people in that life that you was working for, you'll never see them again. And those people, that, that the main people that I was working for, were murdered by their own people, killed them. And God, and she said, I told you, you don't have to do nothing. God's got you. They start killing each other, start murdering each other. And I was way out of it in Jesus, enjoying myself. Never went back in 50 years. Never went back. They haven't smoked. I used to smoke three packs of cigarettes every day. I used to snort the ashes. Every day I would snort the ashes out of the ashtray. I was bad. I used to smoke rope. I used to smoke. I can tell you too much more, but I was involved. He took all of it. I haven't smoked a cigarette since the summer of 1971. I haven't smoked weed. I haven't dealt anything. Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. And there's somebody out there got a child out there who's going through. You just hang in there, mama. You keep praying for that child. You keep believing for that child. My mother said, my children shall be saved, mama, and great shall be the salvation of my children. Here I am, one of the worst, 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 the real Harry Potter. I'm sitting here now talking to you because my mother went over the devil's head, way up there. And she said, my children shall be saved. And God has taken me all around the world because one lady defied the devil. And here I am by the grace of God. How did you get the name Earthquake? When I was three years old, Jeffrey, I was three years old. I had a, a dream. In this dream, I was looking out the window. And my little best friend was a little white girl. She was a little white girl, little blonde. She was my best friend. <laughs> I don't know where she is. I hope she listening. We used to always make mud pies and stuff. I ain't, I ain't never really ate no mud pie, but I like making them. <laughs> <laughs> but we would make mud pies and stuff. And then like we had this little thing, little thingy, perfect little mud pie in the shovel and stuff. And uh, that's three, I was three years old just before all the stuff, so bad stuff. My father turned me over to those crooked people. 
And and so I the night I went to I went to sleep one night and uh in this dream the ground was shaking and uh, everything was breaking all kinds of chaos and stuff and opening up and and uh and scared me so and I was looking out the window and I was yelling to my little friend, run, run in the house, run in the house, run in the house. Then the uh, the ground opened up and she fell. She fell down in the, and then I said, oh my God, my little friend, my best friend. And uh, I was, my heart was beating hard and, and I woke up out of that dream. I said, a little bitty boy, I'll never forget it. And the, the, the same voice, the same voice that talked to me and told me about the guns to my head and how he spared me, was the same voice that said, because of you, the ground is breaking, shaking, and because of you, the ground is broken. The next night, I had the very same dream. And when I woke up, the voice says, because of you, the ground is shaking. Because of you, the ground is broken. So God gave me that name, Earthquake, when I was a little boy in a dream. And then when I got older, in 1982, I know a professional boxer. I, I retired as a professional boxer, but I was an amateur fighter. I used to fight uh, uh, bare knuckles before it became popular and all of that, and so I tried out for the 84 Olympic here in Los Angeles, and I made it pretty much to the last box off. You box, eliminate, then you get to fight another guy if you eliminate him, then you'd be on the boxing squad. And so I had one more elimination fight to do. I was so excited. And uh, fight this guy, and I don't remember his name, but we were fighting good, and he was getting some good shots, and he wanted to be on the team, too. I wanted to be on it was Mike Tyson, myself, and Henry Tillman. I know Mike Tyson before anybody knew Mike Tyson. We stayed, and we're still friends to this day. He's still my friend. And we were, we, nobody knew him, and we were real close. And, you know, and so, and uh, he was in the regular, regular heavyweight. And I was bigger and, and stronger than him. And not stronger in that state. I mean, bigger, heavier than him. And we go by weight. And he didn't have the weight because I was heavier. So he fought in regular heavyweight, and I fought in super heavyweight. So this guy we was fighting, he was fighting real good. He was he was throwing some good ones out there, you know, and uh, he caught me a couple of times. And so I uh, closed my eyes and locked my wrist and went behind me with all my bias, calling right on the glabella, this section that you hit, it's called the glabella. That's what they, they say, you ring a person's bell, it's called the glabella. And I hit him right there in the middle of his eyes, Clabella, and I opened my eyes down. He went, <laughs> and the sportscaster said, "Man, that guy hits like an earthquake." And so that's why they call me Earthquake. And but God gave me the name first. But the world takes they take the credit. The boxing world takes the credit. But actually, God gave me He gave me that name, and I love it. I I really love I love that name more than I do Curtis, which is my birth name. I just like being called Earthquake. I have. Like we were talking earlier, I have, I have three honorary doctorates in, in theology. Uh, I'm an actor. Um, I've been in a movie where Rebecca St. James, I don't know if you ever heard of Rebecca. We did a movie together. Hey, Rebecca, if you watch it, we love you. And uh, we did a movie together and act in a few movies. But I just, I just love the name Earthquake because God himself gave it to me. All right, if you don't mind, let's move forward in time to your second NDE. 2004, I was at a pastor's meeting, 
And we were laughing about, you know, taking care of business and some other things. And every now and then someone would say something funny that happened at church. You know, maybe the way somebody dances, the way they praise God, sometimes it is real comical sometimes. And so we were having fun laughing. And uh, I felt like somebody was pouring hot, hot water in the back of my head. So I turned around. It's like, who's that pouring water in my head? Nobody was there. So we were laughing about something else. They take care of the business between laughing, the church business, what have you. And here I felt it again, like somebody pouring water in my head. I said, okay, oh, who's playing back here? Who's back here pouring water? You know, look back, nobody back there. And all of a sudden I had this like, pow, instant headache. Like, oh, my Lord, what is this? So I told the other pastor, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home. Are you okay? I said, no, nah, not really. Got bad headache. I said, okay, go on. You know, go ahead. We, we got it from here. So I got in the car and I called my wife. I said, babe, I got a terrible headache. You know, she said, you want me to take you to the doctor? I said, no, nah, I'm going to go home and just, you know, just, just relax. And so she said, I'm going to take you to the hospital when I come home. I said, no, babe, it's okay. It's okay. So when I got home, I sat on the bed. I started passing out. The headache was so bad, I started passing out. But I remember, I remember they said, the zookeeper said, we have some heavy animals here. If they fall a certain way, they're going to suffocate. So I'm, I'm a big, heavy animal. I'm 6'4", 200 and something pounds. I didn't want to fall out. I wanted to make sure if I fell out, maybe I could breathe. So I started fighting it. So when I got home, my wife said, I said, oh, no, I never had a headache like this before. Never. And she said, go to the hospital, go to the hospital, come on. And I said, nah, maybe it's an old old fight that I had, you know, finally catching up. After 15 years, it's probably catching up to me. She said, no. So I wouldn't go. And so she called. She called one of my godmothers, and she said, son, what's wrong with you? And I told her, you need to go to the hospital. I don't sound like a headache. So I said, no, nah, I'll be all right. So it took me like another day or so to call back. You ain't went to the hospital yet? No, nah, I'm all right. I'm going to be okay. And she called a doctor friend of hers, and the doctor said, earthquake, what do you feel? I told them the symptoms. They said, that's not a headache. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but get in the car that your wife take you to the hospital. Uh, I said, okay. And they said, I'm a little doctor, but if you don't get to the hospital now, I'm going to come over there and beat you up. It's that bad. Get out of there. Get in that car and get. So by this time, my wife, she said, come on, baby, now. You heard that. Come on. So she put me in the car. My head was so hot. I had to put my hand on the car. It was at nighttime. It was in the, you know, the fall. of the year, going into winter. And uh, put my hand in the car. It felt so good. I sat down. I collapsed. We went all the way to Lancaster from Little Rock. You know where Lancaster is. All the way over to Lancaster from Little Rock. I opened my eyes. I said, where are we at? My wife said, we're here in Lancaster. I said, where? She said, at the hospital. I, I fell out. I didn't even know where I was. 20-minute 20, 20 ride. I didn't even know nothing. So um, she put me in a wheelchair. She rolled me to the inside. I couldn't walk. And stumbling around like I was drunk. And uh, sat down. And the lady behind the counter my wife, she was like, help my husband. He's really sick. Help my husband. And then a lady behind the counter, she said, well, 
how may I help you, Mr. Kelly? How may I help you? She says, he's really sick. Well, yes, but he has to tell me himself, Mrs. Kelly, what's wrong with him. And so I'm like, man, my God, it's bad headache, bad headache. Oh, oh, she was keep going on, and that monotone voice was really working my nerves. Mr. Kelly. Then finally, <laughs> she said, okay. She called the guys, and I couldn't see too good. My eyes was really bleary. And they cast, came around the corner running, these guys, and they put me on it on that, 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 that gurney of bed and they rolled me around the corner. And when they got me around the corner, the doctors, I remember the doctors, they said, what's wrong? And they said, we don't know. We don't know. And then while they was examining me with all this stuff, I died. And I can hear, step back, step back. And they was doing their refrigerator, trying to get my heart stopped, get me back again. And they worked on me and worked on me and worked on me and worked on me. Then the doctor said, we lost him. We lost him. And I'm like, you ain't losing. Him is still here. What are you doing? What are you doing? And they said, call the call it down in the, um, uh, the part where they take the bodies, you know, take the down there, call those guys. And so I just laid there and uh, God was saying, open your eyes, son. And I'm talking back that same voice. I said, Lord, God, I can't open my eyes. I don't even know what's wrong with me. He said, open your eyes or you're going downstairs in the cooler. I'm going to put you in the cooler. And I was like, try to open my eyes. And finally got my eyes to open. And right above me was a, a doctor, another doctor, I believe. And they started screaming, he's alive, he's alive. And they all came in, they put tubes and everything in me, and they pushed me into an intensive care. They put me in intensive care, and I was there. I couldn't get up. I couldn't speak. My my voice box had, had shrunk. What happened, I had a brain aneurysm. I had arachnoid hemorrhage on the brain on the right side. And so I was I was um, laying there and uh, in the intensive care about maybe 10 days or so. And the nurse came in to check me. And she said, how you doing, Mr. Kelly? And I can only whisper, I'm doing okay. And she said, we'll be back in 15 minutes. And so while she was gone, while she, while she was gone, this big old beautiful thing came in the room. Didn't make any noise. Looked like the Ark of the Covenant. Looked like the Ark, but a little different. I said, what, what is that, the Ark? But it wasn't. It was some kind of vessel of some kind. It had a lot of gold and rubies and diamonds and stuff. And it came in the room. And next thing I know, I was in the ceiling. I was in the ceiling looking down from the ceiling. Wow. And I saw I saw this guy laying down in the bed while I was in the ceiling. I saw him. And I said, wow, that guy doesn't look good. He doesn't look like he's going to make it. He doesn't look good at all. But then I realized, wait a minute, that's me. Well, how can I be there and up here too at the same time? Because whatever that thing was that God sent, it took me and I could snap of a finger. I was I was standing next to an angel. I'm six four and he was way bigger than me. And he every time he would move his, his hair, flakes of gold would fall off of his hair. And and he had big old beautiful wings. And every time he would move, the gold flakes would come off of his wings. I said, oh, man. 
wow. And not realizing that gold, that, that beautiful vessel thing, I was inside of it. He said, come out. I came out. And he said, walk around. And before first, I looked at the grass. So each blade of grass had a diamond or some kind of jewel in it. And it was so well manicured, better than any golf I've ever seen. I'm not a big golfer or anything, but I have seen golf courts. And I'm like, wow. He said, go ahead. Walk. And I'm thinking with, with the, the diamonds and sapphires on them that it would be hard under your feet. And it was so soft as cotton. And he said, walk around. So I started walking around and I walked by these flowers and I looked at these flowers and I said, what kind of flowers? These flowers were like they were alive. They were like, like that's a flower that you get smell them and they look real pretty. These had life to them and they were praising God. They were praising God. They were praising him. And I'm like, oh my, what a beautiful place. And then I looked on the other side where the angel was, because I had walked away from him a little bit. And there was this big old, uh, uh, big square place, palace, solid gold. I'm like, where all that gold come from? Solid gold. And it had a river coming out of it. God talks about the river of life. It was coming out of it. And and I and I and I went and I walked down there when the angel told me to walk around. I walked down there by that river and I stood actually went in the river and I started picking it up and it was like diamonds that were liquid, but liquid that were diamonds. And so I'm now, wait, how can you be this and then you this too? And you liquid, but you solid, but you liquid and you beautiful, and I can pick you up. And yet, I was like, wow, it was coming out of that big golden place. Hallelujah. Coming out of that golden place. And so I hear, I can hear some people calling my name, calling me, calling me. And so I got out and I walked, I stood on the shore and I looked and I can, I can see a friend of mine's mom. I see a friend of mine's mom. Hey, and she looked really good. Then I saw other people who had passed away. I saw them on the other side of the river. And it by this big old beautiful tree. I had never seen the tree. I've been around the world. I never seen a tree like that. And they were they were talking to me and I said, Hey, hey, it's you. Yeah. It's 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 us. I was they were just, oh man, this you don't want to leave that place. You don't want to leave there. So much, so much to do, so much to see. And I looked around, and there was there was no there was no sun, no sun. I said, "How can this place be all lit up like this with no sun in the sky?" And then when God spoke to me. He let me know. He said, "My face, my face shines throughout this whole place. It's from my face. Oh my God! His face lit the whole place up. Just his face, his presence. You didn't need that that big old yellow." Thing up in the sky, burn you if you look at it. You need that. It was his face was that had lit up the whole place. And then the angel said, "Keep walking. There's more to see." So I kept walking and walking, and I could see these big old, big old mansions. The mother of pearl. I've never seen the mother of pearl that big. 
for my whole entire life on the other side of the river. And I wanted to get over there. I felt if I get over on the other side, I'd never have to go back down to earth again. So I'm trying to see how I could get over there. And I was asking the people, how do I get over there where you all are? I want to come and hang out with y'all. They said, no, you can't. It's not your time. You got to go back. I said, no, no, no. I've come this far. I'm here. I'm inside with y'all. Man, I cannot show me. Is there a boat? Is there? They said, no. And I saw them turn around and they all went back over there by those mansions and stuff. And I was like, oh, no, don't leave me standing here. I want to come with y'all. And they were all they would say, it's not your time. You're now finished. You have a lot more work to do. Then you can come. And so the angel said, keep walking. So I, I kept walking. And I stopped. It's like my feet automatically stopped at this place by those big mansions on the other side. I said, oh, I want one of them. Get in one of those so bad. I'll never come out. And then all of a sudden, here walks up my son who had been murdered December 7th, 1998. He walks up. I was so happy. I said, Scott, it's you. He said, yeah, Dad. I said, oh, man, I want to come over and hug you. I want to just hug your neck. I miss you. I want to see you. Come over there with you. And he said, no, Dad. You remember you promised me that you were finished you were finished. I said, no, son, I'm finished. He said, no, you're not finished, Dad. You promised me. You remember we would play boxing? And I stopped and I gave you a hug. And I said, whatever you do, don't stop preaching and teaching deliverance. He said, Dad, I thank you because of you. Because of you, Dad, I'm here. I'm in heaven. You and Mom, you raised me right. You raised me. You showed me all of this. But you know what, Dad? You didn't even tell me half of this. <laughs> it's so much more. There's so much more that you and Mom, and I know you were, you know, you didn't have the, all the information about it, but you you did the best you could, you and Mom. And I want to tell you, thank you. Because of you, I'm here. I miss hell. I wasn't a sorcerer like you, Dad. I appreciate you. You, Grandma stopped it in you. And it didn't go from you into me. And now look what you did because you are in heaven. And I said, son, I want to come over on that side. I said, no, you can't. It's not your time. I asked him, was there a boat? He said, no, son, there's no, no dad. There's no boat coming. If it is, it ain't coming for you. You can't get on board. It's not your time. I said, how about a raft? He said, no, no, there's no raft. There's no inner tube. There's no submarine, there's no helicopter. All of that stuff exists, but you can't get on it because you have to go back and finish. And so he said, Dad, I love you. Excuse me. Uh, well, so I walked back where the angel was and uh it's a beautiful place. So beautiful. The flowers, the angels were singing. Oh, the, the angelic choir. I've heard choirs all over America, television and in person. 
No. I never heard it. I never heard voices sound like theirs. Not only went in you, but it's like, it's like pierced into your very soul. And as they not only were standing in one spot, they were flying and singing too. They had the one that stood in the spot, but the others were flying and singing and the, the long trumpet thing and the other instruments. And, and my son's over there with all of that. Oh my. Thank you, Jesus. So we went back towards the angel. And then God started speaking. He said, I wanted you to go back with a put some words. Then I looked and I saw some children playing. And I loved, I love children, love my grandbaby. I got 15, I think, grandchildren. And they didn't never have to leave. They could stay and play with us in this house as long as they want to. Of course, we got to clean up afterwards. Well, it's just fun. So I saw these children and I said, God, who are these children? He said, these are the children that was killed for thousands of years in wars and murdered and slaughtered because of people decided that they just wanted to hurt children and murder them. And he told me so many things that happened to that, that group of children that was running and playing. And he said some of those children were were stillborn they weren't they weren't uh, carried all the way through and delivered when they delivered they came out and the parents the parents were so heartbroken their children died and he says I want you to go back with a message with them son and I said sure sure God he said I want you to tell those parents that someday they're going to be reunited with their children and nothing going to separate them again. Death will never, ever, never, never, ever. He said, you tell those parents, son, you tell them. You tell them they'll never be separated from their children again. Some were murdered. Some were, were born and not alive. So many different things to kidnap them. One of my cousins through my wife, through marriage. He was six years old. He was kidnapped and sodomized and left in an abandoned house, only six years old. The little children like him was there playing, and God said, they're in my hand. He kept saying, they're in my hand. They're in my hand. He said, they'll never be hurt again, never. No one can never harm them. He said, tell the parents, they will be reunited with them. Let them know. I'm going to wipe away all tears from their eyes. They're going to, and nothing ever. There won't be no devil. He won't be able to come up in there and do nothing. Can't even get past the front gate no more. That's over. So they'll be, I'm speaking to your parents that have gone through that. Going through it. I know what it's like to lose a child. It's my oldest. He was murdered. And I know what that's like. And I saw him there. And God said, the ones who lost children, he said, tell them, don't hate me. He said, there's some parents out there who are holding it against me. Some tell them, don't hold it against me. I did not do this to them. And I said, God, there's people holding stuff against you. He said, yeah, there's a lot of people holding stuff 
He said, there's a lot of holy stuff against me, the act of God. That's not an act of God. Not one of my acts. It's only one God. That's me. And I didn't do it. He said, tell them to release that pain that they have. I'm going to put them back with their children forever. Wow. I'll tell them, God, I tell them to try to, to lift their heads up, God, because you said so. Hold your heads up. I know what it's like to lose a child. It's not easy, but I've seen my, I know where he is. I tell his testimony at a church. I told his testimony at a church and 3,000 people got saved. So he's getting people saved in a way, even though he's not here, people are still coming to you through my son's God. As a pastor, I'm sure that you end up coming across many people who have had someone die. How do you help them? Or better yet, how has your NDE, especially your second NDE, helped you to help these people with their grief? Someone that in their family or loved ones passed away? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we, um, we get that from time to time. We uh, do gang funerals, crips, bloods, stuff like that. And uh, I talk to some of the parents and uh, try to, to encourage them and the other children not to go down that path, but that path will lead you straight to the pits of hell. Try to encourage them to look to God, look to him. All you do, look to him. Don't turn to the left, like it says in the book of Amos. Don't look to the right or the left. Look your your eye, yeah, your eyelids straight towards God at this time. Because it's not easy. It's, but it's doable. You know, I like what, when I was a little boy, President Kennedy was alive and he said, why are you going to the moon, President Kennedy? <laughs> Is it not because it's easy? Because it's hard. <laughs> so, some things are hard, but they're doable. And he made it. He didn't see it in his lifetime, but he, he got the job done. And that's what I'm telling him. Some things are difficult, but they're doable to God. Paul says, Apostle Paul says, I can do all things, including this grief, to Christ that strengthens me. Now, talking about all about me, but this little thing I want to put in about my wife when our oldest son was murdered. She cried from from December of that year though he was murdered. She cried every day for the whole entire year, sometime on the floor, banging and kicking and screaming. I had to get down on the floor with her and hold her. I don't remember no movies, 1999. I don't remember any plays. I don't remember nothing. All I remember is my wife on the floor screaming and kicking. But I stayed. I stayed with her. Sometimes it would hit me. Sometimes I'd be on the floor banging and kicking and screaming. But never, I never blamed it on God. I tell people, don't blame God. Well, he could have stopped it. Yeah, he could have stopped it. But his mind is so far above ours. He said, above the heaven is upon the earth. I bless them. 
I bless him no matter what. I bless him. And I tell them who are going through, bless God. Love God. Do I know everything? Nope. I ain't that smart to know everything only God is. But I know if we keep trusting in him, keep holding him, you know, holding him up highly, and and you're gonna see changes. And you going and God's my wife is not down on the floor kicking and screaming though. She's not. It hurts her. I don't talk about it too much, you know, to her and stuff. We don't talk about it, but we pray and we praise God. And every December 7th, December 7th, our family, that's when he was killed. December 7th, at the same time, Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, D-Day. So we make that our own special D-Day against the devil and attack him. And that's what we do, all of us, all four of my daughters and my two sons. That's D-Day against the enemy. And we say great changes. You can see a great change. God can do some great things for that. That's those that are watching now. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you think the point for not blaming God is because God gave us free will to do whatever we want down here? So it's up to us? Oh, definitely. That's, that's, that's definitely because even in the book of Malachi, uh, third chapter and the 13th verse, God says, your words have been stout, painful against me. Stout means painful, hurting words. And there's a lot of people there. They're blaming God. And 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 this this world is in, in the hands of, like you said, the, the decisions. A lot of times, decisions and stuff that we make. But I'm not talking about you. Never, nobody decides to get their son shot like me. I didn't do that. But... I guess, praise God. I don't fully understand all of what happened. You know, he was no gangster. My 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 son worked at Columbia. He was a he was a movie uh, not movie. He was a music producer. He he went there faithfully and worked with some of the people like the Temptations and up and coming artists. He was there. He was a songwriter. He was a producer. He was a very good arranger. Why would you kill him? Why? No gang members, no thug, none of those things. He made his mom and dad and sisters real proud. And you decide you're going to shoot him point blank. Take his car, hijack. So, blaming God? No. Does it hurt? Yes. Do you understand everything? No. And God said, I'm going to explain things to you that you don't know right now when you get in, the, when you get in, the, in my kingdom. I'm explaining it to you because right now I fully don't understand. So I don't, I don't understand everything that, that happened with my son working and we had some plan. We used to have fishing tournaments, fishing tournaments, tournaments. And sometimes he would beat me in the tournament sometimes or beat him. He was very competitive. I couldn't swim. He was going to, he was a lifeguard. He was going to teach me how to swim, you know, and uh, he was, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better son than him. Funny, laugh, like to make jokes, tease and stuff. I'm an artist and he was an artist, a great artist. I mean, this guy could 
can draw and love his mom and his sisters and his brothers. And, and, and now he's in heaven. So blaming God, not a good thing. But like you said, free will. Yes, Jeff. Do you fear death at all? For me? No. I don't, I don't fear death, nor do I fear him with that long sickle and that pointy hood. I ain't scared of you. I'm not afraid of you. Matter of fact, I, I, I welcome going home to be with Jesus. You know, I welcome him. Not not till my time is up. Not, 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 I ain't ready to punch a clock yet. Mm-hmm. No, because I know where I'm going back to. I got to get back there, go inside of that big old golden building and see what's in there. I got to get in there. I got to. Now, I can't swim down here, but I believe I'll be able to swim in that crystal sea when they get up. <laughs> can't swim a lick right now. But I believe all that's the all. Oh, no, I, I look forward to it someday when my time comes and I'm finished doing what God called me to do. You know, now I don't want to go like Apostle Paul did that Nero chopping block. I don't want to get my head cut off or anything like that. I just want to lay down like I did in intensive care and go ahead and say goodbye to everybody and, and Lord bless you and, and uh, close my eyes and let the angel come back and get me. That's why I ask God for me to go. Not all, you know, off in some crazy country I can't get out of and down in some dungeon or something like that and then left for dead and snow. I like to just go that way. I'm not afraid of that at all. All right, I'm going to switch gears with you. You have six books. Yes. Can you briefly tell us about them and where can we get them? Yes. Everywhere I go, they sell out. They sell out. I have one book. It's, It's 300 pages. It's uh, 24 volumes. It's an actual encyclopedia, pretty much. It's called Escaping the Nemoth Cycle. I should have should have brought my books. We were, we were getting back from Phoenix. We sold completely out. And I said, oh, man, I usually have books to, to show. We don't have any. We got to order some more. But this one talks about a lot of things that people need uh, answers for. I'll give you an example, Jeff. What's in their book, I'll read teach you. Uh, Isaiah. 3 and 22, talks about a thing called a wimple. A wimple is is a thing like you, you're getting ready to go somewhere and uh, you got out trying to find some keys, car keys, but they're in the, in the, on the hook there. And you know, you guess set your keys down on the table. You go to the other end of the room, you forgot your briefcase, you come back, your keys are gone. Okay, that's called the wimple spirit. Wimples. A lot of people deal with that. Wimple. Stuff missing. You know you had your important court papers. You're getting ready to go out the door. You can't find them. You know, you can't find them. And I show people that's a wimple. What a wimple trying. It's in this book. I, I'm an artist and I illustrate and I explain 300 pages of things for people that they can understand called escaping the Nemoth cycle. A Nemoth cycle is something that goes, it's a hurricane that goes round and round and round or tornado and it always spins, always spinning around. And as it spins, it's taking up you and your, your, your property and your family. So the next one is called uh, 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 the dangers of profanity. So a lot of people that's, that's cursing F and S and D and calling women B's and stuff like that. And not understanding when you call a lady that B, you know, the rest of it, What's happening, you're, you're sending what's called Suburis. Suburis is a hellhound 
It's an actual dog that you sick on people. You, you sick those on sinners and curses them. You say that to a Christian, it can lead into some kind of affliction. Can't, you can't curse no Christian, but you can, the Bible says many are the afflictions. So I tell people, don't, don't, don't call your brother and sister in Christ that. Don't do that. Well, she got on my nerve. She got on my nerve very quick and I had to get that off my chest. No, please don't do that. Please don't. Then we have another one called Heaven's Golden Vessel. That's the one when I was telling you about my heavenly trip. If it's about that thick and it talks about everything I saw. I just told you a little bit about heaven. It is so much in heaven that's in that book. Oh my God, I should have been pushing that book a lot, but I, I haven't been pushing as much as I should. That one. And another one calls about terror by night, where for children who cannot sleep and who 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 have a problem wetting the bed. And I know a particular lady that, that took us uh, uh, to a meeting with her, and she said, Pray, can you pray for my son? He wets the bed a lot. I said, okay. So I, I said, can I talk to him? And I said, what's going on, man? What's going on? He said, I see stuff in my closet and stuff, and I have to go to the bathroom at night. I'm so scared, but I got to go to the bathroom. So I just go ahead and wet the bed. So I told his mom, I said, you take him to the doctor. He said, yeah, I took him to the doctor, but he said, there's nothing wrong with his kidneys. I said, okay, I wanted, that's why I asked you first. See what the doctor says, then I can go to the spiritual realm. But say, your son is tormented. He's tormented by a waster spirit. There's seven different spirits that could be in a person's house at any given time. So we, we show them what it is. We take them to the scripture. And everybody that follows what God said in the instruction that God says, they can sleep. And I mean, all night long when they wake up, hear the birds outside singing in the sunshine. This is lack of knowledge. So that one. My life story book, my life story book is called Bound to Lose, Destined to Win. This book has been hijacked and stolen from me. And the, the people who hijacked it and stolen, it's my face about 20 years ago. I don't look like I do now and there, you know. But it's a younger version of me with hair, with hair. And it's, my, it's a face on the cover. Those other books, they're multicolored, pink, yellow, blue on the cover, but and do not buy those. Those people are stealing from my family and myself. And I appreciate all of those big booksellers that take those down off the shelves. And we told them, but they refuse to do it. And now my life story is being made into a movie, even as we speak. We just believe me to get the rest of the funding. It's going to be in all the theaters around the world. So I think that's it. Let's see. Oh, the last one. Um, uh, this one's called... Uh, uh, a deliverance from Adaroth Adar. Adaroth Adar is a flying snake. The same thing you see on the side of the ambulance truck, the snake on a pole. It's an actual creature that goes around a person's head and squeezes them and squeezes them until they almost feel like committing suicide. And we explain what that is and what happened. The children of Israel left Egypt, went into Canaan. The priest of Canaan, they would send these flying spirits to try to attack and try to hurt people. And so God told Joshua, be strong of good courage because you're taking my people into that place. Not only what giants are, but all kinds of other flying creatures. And that's, I think that's pretty much the books. I believe. Can you get these books on your own website? Or do you go to Amazon yes. or both? Both. You get them on our website. If you get them on our website, most of the proceeds come to us. 
if you get it to Amazon, they take a nice chunk out of it. What is your website? Uh, EarthquakeKellyMinistries.com. Kelly is spelled K-E-L-L-E-Y. Ministries.com. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you mm-hmm. up? Are you up for that? I, <laughs> I went out of town, Jeff. When we came back, I had 120 calls to our ministry, and we tried to my secretary and uh, now we try to uh, call everybody. We do have a, a prayer line where people we deal with all kinds of hard questions. So we're the hardcore deliverance church, hardcore deliverance ministry. We deal with stuff that a lot of people not equipped to deal with. It's not a put down. It's best act. I come from that stuff. So God had me going back and help people get delivered from it. And if they want to call, uh, we have a, we have a, a prayer line number. It's if they want to write it down, it's area code 661-944-1111. I'll say it again. Area code 661-944-1429. You can leave a message 24 hours a day and someone will get to you. You know, it's just a few of us manning the phones, but we will get to you. And please don't hang up on me because I return calls too. And people say, no, this is not earthquake. Earthquake won't do that. He won't return the call. I say, yes, it is. It's me. Please don't hang up. No, it's not. No, it's not. And that lady, Jeffrey, had me so convinced, I had to ask my wife what my name was. Because she, she said, no, it's not him. And I said, yes, please don't hang up on me. I do love to talk and help God's people. Do you have anything else you're working on that you want people to know about? Yes, yes, Jeff. Thanks for asking. I'm putting together a college or university of deliverance. There are 200 different topics in the Bible that's not talked about and should be talked about. 200, such as the word ouch is in the Bible. The word emptier, emptier is in the Bible. The word avenger, avenger is in the Bible. That's in Psalms 82. The the spirit, Hazeb, that causes breast cancer. The actual spirit that causes breast cancer is in the Bible that we knew about when I was in sorcery and the church doesn't know it. And, and so far, my dear brother, so far, four women who was diagnosed, diagnosed with breast cancer has been healed, including my wife. Hmm. Healed because we came against that spirit of Hazeb. You can find that in Nahum 2 and 7. Nahum 2 and 7. It's the actual spirit that we used to send to people. And you better not send this spirit to nobody. But I'm saying it's in the Bible. And we, we, uh, if you want to put that book out, we're going to put out, uh, uh, what the Eeps are. People need to know what Eeps are. Eeps are, are secret agent people that come into church to take over. We we have topic after topic that also, also we're working, we have uh, 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 pictures, coloring books that we're going to be selling from a dollar. You can download them and you can color them in. It's uh, my adventures of work for Kelly, different pictures, Nothing spooky or demonic. It's something fun. If you want to color in the coloring book, we would love for you all to contact us or look online or pray Kelly Ministries. And you can download them. You don't have to mail them on, you know, snail mail. You can get them instantly right over right over your computer, laptop, and then you could 
and print them out and you can start drawing. You can have fun and there'll be questions and stuff like that. And, and it'll be in all languages. Well, not all languages. It's a whole lot of languages. But we'll be, in, of course, in, uh, in Spanish. We're going to do Spanish. We're going to do French, regular French and Creole. We're going to do that. We're going to hit German. We're going to get every language that we can, you know, to, to help God's people. And, and uh, hopefully that you all can start ordering. You can download them. You can download them. And once we put them up, you'll be able to have fun. But this big old bald-headed guy with the big, with the big mole. <laughs> all right, Earthquake, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Oh, definitely. Don't quit. Don't stop. You, they told me, and I'm telling you, don't let nobody discourage you in things of God. They told me when I, even some so-called Christians told me, they said, New, when I first got saved, I talked like this. They used guys from New York, and I had a really serious New York accent, because that's where I was raised. And they told me that God will not use people from New York. We're, we're, we're funny and strange and weird. And even told me trash. Don't let nobody tell you you can't make it. You can't. Because I tell them, you call me trash? They say, yeah, we called you trash. New Yorkers can't be used. I said, well, you know what? I've seen some recycling bins. God is in the recycling business. Oh, I get an amen out there somewhere. So if you feel like you trash, put yourself over in God's hands, and you'll start out a soda can. But after a while, you'll be a washing machine helping people get their clothes clean. You know, you'll be a, a refrigerator helping people eat. You'll be an airplane helping people travel around. You'll be, oh, don't get me started. I feel the I feel the preach coming on right now. But you'll be somebody great. Don't let nobody stop you. It's a great message. Earthquake, thank you so much for being my guest. I really thank appreciate you. you, and I wish you a great rest of your evening. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.